many of you want to live a blessed life, all right? How many of you, how many believe that's possible to live a blessed life? So I, I wanna see if you want to live a blessed life. All right, how many of you want to go from barely enough to more than enough? Anybody ready to go there? I'm tired of barely enough, I'm ready to go to more than enough. Well, that's possible through a covenant with the Lord. Uh, here's the next question, does anyone want to live an increase, increase? Now, this is what my definition of prosperity is. I know that anytime you mention that word on the internet, you always get, you know, all these naysayers. So before you email me or put it in the chat feature, let me explain to you what my version of prosperity is. My version of prosperity is having enough to do what God has called you to do and just enough to give away. That's what I believe it is. Having enough to do what God has called you. I'm not talking about buying bigger cars and bigger homes and, and having more that you're not going to do anything with. That's not my idea of prosperity. Yes, God does bless people like that and thank the Lord for it. I'm not one bit jealous of the people he's blessed like that. But my view of prosperity is having enough to do what God's called you to do. And that's the problem sometimes that we're struggling to have enough to do what God has called us to do and certainly to have enough to give away. And that's what I believe that God wants to do for his people. So when I was growing up, we used to sing a song and I think it's on page 280 in the red back hymnal. My wife will tell me if I've got the wrong page here or Clay, one of them will tell me. But uh, it was called, I'm Living in Canaan Now. Is it 280? I think it was page 280 in the red back hymnal. All right, well, since you don't know, I'm just gonna tell you it's on page 280 in the red Head back him, no, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And that song was a song that was so misunderstood because for a long time people thought that living in Canaan was going to heaven. And it was, all, it was almost like they couldn't wait to die because they're going to Canaan. But this song defied that idea. This song said, I'm living in Canaan now. And that's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of the people in the body of Christ are missing is that Canaan is now. Heaven is later, but heaven is not the new Canaan. Heaven is the new Jerusalem. Heaven is not the new Canaan. No, we are called to walk in a way with the Lord that we can live in a place of abundance and live in a place of blessing while we're here on this earth. If we do not have enough Christians living in victorious living, how are we ever going to convince the rest of the world that this is the abundant life? How are we ever going to convince our, our friends and neighbors if, if we have worse problems than them or the same problems with them? I, I, have you ever had someone say, well, what are the benefits of serving God if, you're, if your life's no better than mine? I really believe that God wants us to live in Canaan now, and I really believe that God wants his people to walk in blessings. And I'm not, don't put dollar signs behind everything I'm saying here. I'm talking about much more than than that. I'm talking about living in joy and peace. I'm talking about living in full of love. I'm talking about living surrounded by friendships and family. I'm talking about an abundant life, not just an abundant pocketbook. 
if God gives you an abundant pocketbook, that's wonderful, but that's not just the abundant life. I'm talking about having energy and good health and a good outlook on life. And you can't wait to, you can't wait to get up the next morning and do something for God. I'm talking about not dragging up. I, I am so tired. Can I just give you one of my pet peeves? I promise it's a hit and run. I'm not preaching on this, but I'm so tired of hearing the body of Christ chasing demons down, giving the devil more credit than God. You're on the wrong side of the fence. I'm just going to tell you that. If you see more devils than angels, you are on the wrong side of the fence. You need to get back over in victorious living where there's more angels than there are devils. Yeah, there's trouble in life. So what? But the apostle Paul said, "Out, but he delivers me out of them all." That's why the Bible says, "We mourn, but not those who with who mourn without hope." We are mourning in Zion. If we are in Zion, if we are in Christianity, if we are in the kingdom of God, we have a King who can solve our problems, and we need to quit looking to the devil's keyhole all the time trying to wait on him to say boo again so he can cripple us in our fear and anxiety. No, somebody needs to have joy. Somebody needs to have peace. Somebody needs to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and show the rest of the world that we are living in Canaan now. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it how? More abundantly. He's not just called us to exist. He's not just called us to survive. He has called us to live an abundant life in Christ. So how do we get there? We need some more Jabez faith. I, this wasn't in my sermon, but after you prayed over me, Annie, I had to put it in there. I ran and look, I ran and put that scripture in. We have a prayer meeting right before service, and Annie was praying the prayer of Jabez over me. I thought, but I'm gonna throw that in the sermon tonight. We need some more people that says, I was born in pain, but that doesn't mean I have to stay in pain. I was born in poverty, but that does not mean I have to stay in poverty. I was born cursed, but that does not mean I have to stay cursed. So Jabez had enough faith to pray a prayer and say, Lord, I know I'm not in the lineup for a blessing, but would you bless me anyway? Would you enlarge my territory anyway? Because the situation I'm in now, I'm going to cause a lot of pain to other people. And I don't want to cause anybody pain. I want to be the source of blessing and joy. So if you are in poverty, don't accept it. If you are in pain, don't accept it. If you are living under generational curses, don't accept it. You need to faith your way out of that. You need to confess your way out of that. You need to get the word of God in your hand as a sword of the Lord, and you need to write scriptures all over your house, and you need to start anointing your doors, and you need to get up and sing praise and worship songs in your house and invite the Holy Spirit to live at your house. Turn your home into a sanctuary and run the devil out. Don't take it another day Run him out. Amen. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. 
or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. Here's the first thing you need to understand about, about God. The Bible says in James, and by the way, I'm reading through the NIV version of the Bible right now, so every year I read the Bible through. All you gotta do, by the way, is read three chapters a day and you read the whole Bible through every year, all right? It's not that hard. If you just read three chapters every day, choose a version. I've read the King James through probably, I don't know how many times. New King James at least 50 times, I'm sure. It feels like that. Well, maybe not 50 because I'm not, I'm not much older than that. So, so I've read it through a lot of times, so I'll just leave it there. And so, uh, but last year I did the NASB, and this year I'm doing the NIV, and I'm really loving it because I'm reading so many, so many familiar scriptures, but they're speaking to me in a different way because I'm looking at a different translation. So I've chosen to preach my sermon out of the NIV tonight. So if, if that's not what you're used to hearing me follow, because I usually use the New King James, uh, I just wanted to do this tonight for clarity. So let's start here. Every good and perfect gift, this is James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everybody say that line with me. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Let's say it one more time. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light who does not change like shifting shadows. So God is not wishy-washy the way some people make him sound. God is, God is not saying one thing to this person, another thing to that person. God is very clear-minded. God knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing and how to direct our life. So notice this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now, I mean, you know, that is different from natural birth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, meaning that the Bible, which is a living book, can come alive in you. That's why you have to read the Bible. Even if you don't understand it, keep reading it. Later on, God will connect those dots, but the, the, the most important part about, the, about reading the Bible is that it changes your spiritual DNA because the Bible is alive, it's a living book. It is God breathed, and as you read the word of God, it changes your spiritual DNA and causes you to grow. So he gives us birth. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God gives us birth that we might be uh, a kind of first fruits of all his creation. So you have to understand this about God. God is a giver. Don't ever forget that. God is not a taker, God is a giver. The Bible says over a hundred times in the Bible, God gave. God gave Moses the 10 commandments. God gave his only begotten son. So over a hundred times in the Bible, the Bible says that God gave. So God is generous, and here's something that a lot of Christians have not figured out. They're always wanting favor. I don't know how many sermons you've ever heard on favor. And everybody asks, how do I get favor? How do I get favor? This is what I think, okay? So I think that favor is when God winks, okay? Winks on generosity. That's what I think it is. I think that favor comes when God sees a generous heart 
smiles on it. You have to remember, time is not the same in heaven as it is here. What happens if you saw my little, if, if you saw one of my little granddaughters playing here and I winked at them, uh, it would take me about two seconds and everybody's eye would be on them because I winked at them, right? What happens in heaven when God says, oh, look at that? What happens in heaven when God just notices something generous? Well, would you, would, what, look at Barbara. Look, look what she just did. And all the angels go, and the next thing you know, it took seconds in heaven, and for the next three years, she's walking in favor because that's, that's how time operates down here. And so I believe that God, I believe that what we call favor is God blessing generosity. Okay, I believe that God is blessing something that you're doing, generous hearted, generous in kindness. You know, there's a lot of people that are real spiritual, but they're not kind. There's a lot of people that are real spiritual, but they've got a mean spirit in them. And, and God's not going to bless a mean spirit, because if God blesses a mean spirit, you're going to get meaner. <laughs> I mean, you know, when God blesses it, it multiplies. God doesn't want you to get meaner. So God can't bless a mean spirit or you get meaner. God can't bless a lying spirit or you'll lie more. So what God blesses is, is the things that he loves. He blesses a generous spirit and people that are generous in their worship. So, so generosity is not just about giving away money. Generosity is even how we worship. Gen there's, there's people who worship generously, and there's people who just sing songs. And there's people who don't worship at all. They just enjoy it. It's almost like entertainment. And they don't even worship at all. And, and so God is looking at the generosity of your heart, all right? I believe that's what favor is. So the blessings of God have always been predicated upon one central fact, that God blesses and increases the generous hearted. Generosity is not just a test, understand this, it is a covenant relationship with God. That's what blessed to be a blessing means. Now I wanna go into the book of Genesis chapter 12 if you wanna turn there and let's talk about the blessing of Abraham because a lot of people love the blessing of Abraham but let's see the prerequisite for the blessing of Abraham. Look at this, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, and I believe all this is on the screens for you, God said to Abram, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Look at the next line. I will bless you. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Did you get that? I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I'm not just going to bless you just so that you can accumulate I'm going to bless you because I'm going to put you to the ultimate test, and he did. I'm going to put you to the test to see if you're willing to be my conduit. If I can get it, for, for some people, God can get it to you, but he can't get it through you. And God is looking for someone that can take what's in his hand and transfer it into someone else's hand. And sometimes that looks like grace. Sometimes that looks like mercy. Sometimes that looks like love. Sometimes that looks like a hug. Sometimes that looks like money. Sometimes that looks like help. Sometimes that looks like taking a, someone in your house to spend the night. Sometimes that looks like stopping along the side of the road and changing someone's tire. 
Sometimes that looks like paying for someone's meal across the restaurant that you've never met before because the Holy Spirit put them on your heart and said, I want to show them that I love them. Would you go pay for the meal of a stranger and don't even let you know that, they, that you did it? So you chase down the waitress and say, I'm going to pay for the meal, but you can't tell them it was me because I'm not doing this to get the glory. I'm doing this because God is putting me to the test to see if he can bless me more if I pass this test. And I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you've done that because those are private moments. And how many of you understand this? Private blessings feel better than public blessings. They really do. Your private victories will take you a lot further down the road than the public victories ever will because it's something, it's very personal between you and the Lord. So he says, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless us. Look at this. Not only am I going to bless you to be a blessing, if you show me generosity, if you show me generosity, I'm going to send people in your life to bless you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what abundant life looks like because you're going to get your debts canceled. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'm going to pay. I'm going to give you things that you didn't even think you could ever own in your lifetime, and you're not even going to buy them. I'm going to give it to you. Listen, there's people in this room before who've been given a house. There's people in this room before who's been given a car. There's people in this room before who've been given a suit of clothes. Why not you? Why not you? I mean, the world is filled with testimonies like that. You, there's no reason you can't be next. God is not a respecter person, but here's the thing. You can't walk one way and expect another thing from God. You can't walk outside a covenant and blessing and expect him to bless you. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to pass the test, and the first test is generosity. Where is your heart? Yes, you can be generous with your time, but, but there's more to that. Our family mission statement, we have a family mission statement that we wrote with our daughters many years ago, and it spells out our last name, Cutshaw, C-U-T-S-H-A-L-L. And I'm, we can all quote it by heart because we've done it for years, and it's hung on our walls for years. We all carry cards that says that. And I'm going to tell you all of them, but I'll tell you what the S stands for. The S stands for stewards of time, money, and possessions. And we wanted our kids to know as a kid that if you want God to bless you, you got to be a steward of your time, your money, and possessions. And, and I'm going to just say something. This is, gonna be, this is not going to feel good to a few people in this room. You cannot pay your tithes with your time. That's a violation of Scripture. If you don't pay tithes, you reap what you sow. You pay tithes with time, the only thing you can get back is time. You reap what you sow. That's a violation of Scripture. That's the reason we told our, our, our daughters, you got to pay your tithes with, you got to be a steward of time, money, and possession. Because if God can't trust you with one thing, then you're always going to struggle your entire life. You might get more time, but if that's all you're giving God is time, you might get more time. But you probably have the two pence of the widow. And if he's not even getting that, Quit asking him for financial increase. Quit expecting something that you're not in covenant with. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.